Welcome back to the Quacked Out Podcast. I am Charlie, joined by Reed. Um, it's not really uh, a ton of good things to say in this intro, but um, how about this, Reed? Did you enjoy your weekend? Uh, not not as much as I hoped I would. I guess I would say <laughs> I'd say it like that. Uh, obviously, the Ducks game was the main thing I was looking forward to out of the weekend, and. That did not go well. Nope. If you're listening to this show, you already know what the score is. You already know how the game went in general, and that the scoreline was indicative of how that game went. Um, <laughs> I don't even really know where to start with this one. Like, I guess we can just go kind of talk about the big questions about it first. I mean... This is the fourth blowout loss the team has had in five games uh, going back to last year. Now, I mean, I don't really care personally about the Oklahoma game. Like, we talked about it back then. I mean, both those teams were a shell of what they were during the regular season even, um, personnel-wise. And so I, I'm kind of willing to discount that. But a game like this... Um, everybody's healthy. Every, everybody's ready to go in the first game. And we talked about expectations coming in, and I was trying to kind of curb some of this enthusiasm I was seeing around the fan base. Um, I think what this game really came down to is what Kirby Smart said in his post-game press conference. He said, like, Landing will never admit this, uh, but we just have better players. Georgia just has straight-up better players than Oregon does. Um, I think that's part of it. I, I don't think having, you know... I don't think uh, on paper this game was going to lean 49-3 to just based on the, the talent disadvantage alone. But um, that was kind of my biggest takeaway from this entire game was that Georgia is just straight up a better team and that they have better players. Much, much, much better players. Uh, I don't know if that's the biggest thing that stood out to you or if that was too obvious, but what were kind of your main takeaways from this loss, I guess? Yeah, I think, I mean, you have to hand it to Georgia, right? First of all, I think going into this game, any optimism was attached to the idea that we thought Georgia maybe could have fallen off the tier of true national title contenders. You know, maybe they were a half step below Ohio State and Alabama this year and looked more like the Ohio State team we beat last year, had some flaws in rebuilding. And it was pretty clear from the start that this Georgia team is really good. They didn't really take much of a step back from last year. I mean, we'll see as they progress, but um, they played a really good game. And, and it seemed like we were never going to win this game based on how they showed up yesterday. Um, they didn't really have any flaws to, explo to exploit. Their roster is so balanced and deep, and they've just been doing this a long time. Um, I, I mean, I think... You know, especially the schematic matchup there. A lot was made of how well Lanning knows Georgia, but part of me was thinking, you know, well, th for this Georgia offense, they've gone up against this defense schematically for years now. Um, mm -hmm. And they played, they've been playing that defense in practice every day, but with more talent. So it wasn't shocking that they had every answer for, for, you know, anything we could post them on defense, not to mention 
just exploiting weaknesses that Oregon has that a, the Georgia roster doesn't have. Um, we'll get into specifics, but I mean, the most obvious one all day was our corner's ability to tackle on the outside. We just had no hope uh, yeah. of stopping that. And even though uh, there were some other areas where I, I feel like, as I mentioned in the preview, there were a lot of areas on Saturday where Oregon, um, I don't know how to put put this, but I want to say was competitive in some portions. They lost almost every every single phase of the game, but in some they were somewhat competitive, but in others they weren't competitive at all. Uh, mm-hmm. And there wasn't any place that Oregon could exercise an advantage really that allowed them to ever score. Um, Josh po- Josh Pate has has this thing he says about the boiling point. Um, which is basically like you have to get to a certain level of talent to even compete with these teams. And if you're close, uh, you know, to that threshold of talent where you can compete, but you're not quite there, it can still look really lopsided. Because even if you're competitive-ish on a play-to-play basis, uh, you know, I mean, it was clear if you just watched one series, it was, you know, you'd see on every series, like, it didn't look like Georgia was playing an FCS team. Uh, they had to try, but still they were always going to get the result they wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. and so even though, you know, we made them sweat a little bit, uh, ultimately when they started trying, we were never going to be able to actually stop them on defense, uh, which was disappointing. And on offense, even when we could sometimes get good gains on a, on a first down or, we'd convert some third downs pretty well. Once we got into the red zone, it felt utterly hopeless uh, that we would ever yeah. score. Um, so, inside- Yeah, even when it was fourth and goal with less than a minute left and Georgia literally had nothing to play for. And I, their backups I don't know about in. you, I yeah. still felt hopeless that we were going to score. Yeah, and same. And sure enough, it was an incompletion. So. Um, I think the the perfect exemplification of what you're talking about um, with regards to the, that talent disparity is the Stetson Bennett play, uh, the one that you've seen on like Instagram ten times uh, since it happened, uh, where he scrambles around. I think um, three different guys, including like Jamal Hill and uh, I think Bennett Williams is one of them, and maybe Mace Funo is the other one that missed the tackle there. Yeah, I think um, Flo leaves on a B line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just avoids everybody easily and like throws it to a wide open McConkey in the end zone. It's like that was kind of the perfect encapsulation of what this game was to me. Yeah. Um, it was like Georgia were just toying with us. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they didn't even need to care. Uh, the game was honestly, I don't, I don't. Maybe this point was different for you. I felt like this game was over after each team's first drive, um, because it just looked utterly hopeless for Oregon on defense and if we couldn't I I mean we talked about it in the in the pregame like if we couldn't stop them on defense then this game is over um that was kind of the one area we were somewhat um positive in you know uh Oregon's defense obviously had done a pretty good job last year got a lot of important returning pieces like you'd expect they can at least hold their own at some point um but I'm looking at Georgia's advanced numbers right now for this game EPA per play, 100th percentile. Success rate, 100th percentile. 
Yards per play, same thing. EPA per drop back, same thing. EPA per rush, same thing. Yards per drop, like just go down the list and everything is in off, actually off the charts for Georgia in terms of offensive efficiency. Um, the only thing that Oregon's defense did well is limit explosive plays. Um, however, it didn't matter because Georgia didn't need any explosive plays. And since the game was over, essentially in the first quarter, they didn't really need to find any explosive plays. Um, so yeah, I, all any advanced numbers you look at are going to be absolutely horrendous, um, just as bad as the real numbers. Uh, but I think one way we can kind of frame this is like, what do you think actually went well in this game? Anything? Uh, I, I mean, I would, there's a few things that are positives and not many, but, um, the offense, I think I felt better about than the defense. Uh, I just felt like yeah. Georgia was, Georgia contained us really well in the red zone, but the offensive line for large portions held up all right. Um, Versus a really good defensive line, you know. I mean, I I won't say they were winning, but uh, they stayed competitive um, throughout. I think so. That was a positive in my mind. Uh, if you can take that away, like, and so we were able to run the ball sometimes. I mean, you know, one stat that does look competitive or like is i guess a good thing even if you put up three points oregon did get 21 first downs versus georgia yeah that's <laughs> uh, i mean that's a lot better than a lot of teams would do uh it didn't man it didn't you know like um matter <laughs> matter it didn't result in points but maybe if you're playing a worse defense like oregon we'll see on the rest of the schedule you know, the ability to convert on third down, third downs, the fact that this offensive line performed maybe better than I expected, um, and probably the only area I would say that about. Um, you know, mm -hmm. those are two things that are good, and I think will converting third downs and having a good offensive line certainly are two things that are nice to have going into Pac-12 play uh, and could give Oregon a, a good advantage in a lot of these other games, but... For this game, uh, it didn't really help much. Were, were there any positives you saw? I agree with you on the rush game. I mean, in general, and Lanning and Nix both said this in their press conferences after the game, like, the Ducks actually moved the ball pretty well on offense. Um, you look at some of the advanced numbers, I mean, Oregon had a 49% success rate on offense, which is really good. Like, that's, yeah. the, that's in the 91st percentile. Um, and most of that came on rushing. Again, we were in the 92nd percentile for e EPA per rush, expected points added, um, which if you're familiar with us, we've, we've used these numbers before throughout last season. Um, that's awesome. That's really good. I feel confident about the rushing attack going forward into Pac-12 play. Um, and I also want to shout out Terrence Ferguson. I think had a great game on offense. Um, he was Nick's main target throwing the ball, and I – <laughs> I just really had no complaints about his game. Um, and I mean, honestly, all the skill position guys on offense, I can't really get mad at. Um, obviously, Nick's had a terrible game, but um, he knows that. I just mean like the outside guys like and the running backs. There's really not much you can do. Um, like if <laughs> if you're being defended by this defense, 
it's pretty much just good luck. Um, and if the quarterback is making bad decisions, then you can't do anything about that, except try to try your best to get more open. So those are kind of my positives. We didn't get, we didn't really have any serious injuries. That's a positive. Um, in all, and I'm being earnest about that. Like in these type of games, this is where bad injuries can happen when guys are just completely overworked and being outplayed. Um, I don't really have anything else positive to say about it. Um, it was a good atmosphere, at least. Like, a lot of Duck fans showed up. Um, that was pleasantly surprising. Um, there were some nice tailgates going on. And all the Georgia people down there were very, very nice and cordial, as usual. Uh, there were only one... I only encountered one group of people barking, um, which <laughs> is probably the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, honestly. Um, just grown people like barking like dogs in, in a non joking way is like very unsettling. But anyways, man, um, do you kind of want to dive into the game more sort of go by drives or do you want to look at maybe some past results that this compares to? Cause order doesn't really matter at this point for me. Uh, let's, well, let's go drive by drive here. Let's, let's just okay. get that out of the way. <laughs> it won't take very long. Um, <laughs> so Oregon opened it up, and um, on their first drive, honestly, the opening kickoff was pretty indicative of how this one was going to go. Yeah, um, flashbacks of the Anthony getting... Thomas versus LSU. <laughs> yeah, uh, just getting absolutely blasted at like the 14-yard line. Um, <laughs> that was that was pretty brutal, but. Uh, what did you see on this first drive that caught your eye at all? Um, obviously, it ended in a punt, but the Ducks did move the ball for a pretty significant, like, what was it, three or four first downs before that? Um, yeah. So what, what stood out to you on that first drive? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing was you get blown up and, and you start at the 14, um, and then you get to a third and three, and there's that false start. And my brain was so wired from last year and our inability to convert third and longs uh, just like, well, there goes the drive and George is about to get the ball at the 50 and this game is about to be over very quickly. And then, um, and that ended up being the case, but not because of that play. And then on third and eight, Bo Nix converts a 10 yard pass to Dante Thornton, move the six. That was really uh, positive. You know, I mean, that was like, impressive that he showed that poise overcomes a false start and gets this thing going um finds ferguson on the next play and things are rolling another first down um and then drive stalls out uh on a third and three pass to marquise irving i think that was dropped um mm -hmm. and it seemed like the timing maybe was at was quarter second exactly. early on that yeah. throw uh but i overall i was like that's a fine first drive by me you get a little over 30 yards um and you get to punt and pin georgia within their 20 at least uh, and hopefully make them work on defense uh, and as we saw the defense drop the ball throughout the day but i was happy enough with that first drive from oregon how did you feel i'm the same um that was until georgia got the ball i was i was very okay with how that drive went um Again, Nick's like showed some actual poise on that drive, and the reason it ended wasn't necessarily because 
uh, anyone... I mean, like you said, it was a drop pass that which just came down to bad timing. And we talked about it on the pregame as well. Like, this is the type of stuff that happens with first-year head coaches. Um, There are some quantifiable... Well, not even quantifiable. Like, there are some obvious things you can see in this game and in general um, that just show a lack of preparation, I guess. And I can't even really blame the coaching staff. Uh, Obviously, it is their fault, technically speaking, but... I mean, it's hard for me to even blame them because it's their first game. Like, shit happens in your first game. It's a miracle if you can be genuinely prepared for a game like this. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't too worried about it until Georgia got the ball and just put together... <laughs> they, they just sliced through Oregon's defense like it was nothing. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at this this play chart right now, and it's... This, this is the amount of yards they gained on each play, right? Three... 9, 17, 8, 14, finally negative (laughs) 1, incomplete. Then on 3rd and 11, they get a 12-yard gain to Rosemary Jackson. (laughs) One more incompletion, then it's it's 7, 7, 9 yards to the end zone. Yeah. And a lot of those yards, even on the first drive, were just obvious yards to get. Like, Oregon didn't really put up a fight. Um if this game had finished, like, I mean, if you even doubled Oregon's score and cut Georgia's in half, I I would say, you know, they still outplayed us, but Oregon wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have shot themselves in the foot as much. I was mostly disappointed in just Oregon's lack of tackling ability, honestly. That's what most of the questions were about after the game, too, and Bennett Williams was like, yeah, we just didn't execute, which is code for we sucked, we played poorly. Um, it's also code for Darno Washington is not a person you can really bring down um, in the open field unless you're really focused. We saw a few plays where he was able to skip away from people like it was nothing. So, again, once that Georgia drive happened, it was not looking good. And anyone who was actually paying attention to the game saw that same thing. Um, I don't know. Did... <laughs> It, at what point did you feel like it was really over? Because it was that point for me. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, there was, I think, one play in there on this drive, I think Noah Sewell got through and outran or, or ran past Stetson Bennett like he's been prone to do. Um, I think that was on one of those incompletions that you mentioned, and that was one of the only pressures all day. Um, mm-hmm. But just worth noting that if you get a sack there, at least in that moment, it felt like, oh, that was a big loss. Um, but, like, maybe that's something that could be repeated later in the game, and it wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I, I mean, I felt like Georgia looks really good right now. I had a little hope that maybe Oregon can settle in. Maybe that's, you know, a first scripted drive that went really well, and this defense will be able to adjust. Uh, but, it was tough. I mean, honestly, the moment I thought the game was, I, I really waved the white flag was Bo's second interception, which we'll get to. Um, mm-hmm. But pretty early on, I knew this wasn't trending well and that the Georgia team just looked really good. Like I opened with, you know, like part of winning this game was always going to be that Georgia had taken a step back from last year. Um, and they didn't really look like they did, at least on Saturday. 
Um, no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, especially this offense. Uh, I think we mentioned it in uh, the preview, but what Georgia's offense was like third by efficiency me- metrics last year. Yeah, and, it was fourth and, in the entire country, which is insane. Yeah, and this, I think they looked much better on offense than they did last year. Or maybe not much better, but they looked like, I don't, you know, I don't know. But they looked really good. The offensive line looked like every bit of potentially the best offensive yes. line in the country. Uh, the tight ends, obviously, are all monsters. I mean, Bowers was doing his thing, and Darnell Washington looked like he had taken it to another level. Uh, the receivers, McConkey and Mitchell, clicked really well. The running backs... Um, didn't you know flash anything insane but looked very very good every bit of the high four-star talents that they were um everything on and and stetson looked like a heisman candidate really i mean he yeah. was just executing Legit. that offense flawlessly uh and he is good you know i mean i talked to some ducks fans who were like well i just maybe this georgia offense won't be that good because stetson you know, is a walk on. And I was like, that's just not the case. If we watch them last just year, won a national title. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you had to know that going in. And so they were really good. Um, yeah. Second drive for Oregon. We can just go through quickly here on offense. Um, kind of, you know, similar thing. You get a first down, uh, you get two first downs and then on a first and 10, Bo throws up that kind of 50-50 ball to Seven McGee, uh, and Starks makes a great interception on it. Um, you know, I th- I think you got to hand it to him. It's a little bit, uh, you know, not not the situation you want to be throwing 50-50 balls in on a first and ten <laughs> on the 50-yard line. But I don't hate the pass if it was on second or third down. Um, and it was a really, really good play by the DB. So I don't know. You know, not not great, but I can live with it in some degree, or at least feel like it's probably not an interception impactful play. But what did you think about that? I I disagree. Honestly, I thought it was a terrible decision. I mean, you have like the shortest player on your offense is who you're going to throw a jump ball to. Like I understand he stumbled, and maybe that would have made it a more competitive play, but. There's like two guys who very clearly on this Oregon offense should be getting that kind of target, and neither of them are Seven McGee. Yeah. Um, I from the jump, I, I he just didn't. He locked in on seven, and it was pretty obvious that he he was choreographing this throw, um, and he just tried to force it. It's that simple, and that's an absolutely terrible decision. Again, it's completely unforced. Um, like you said, if this was on maybe third down, like. Maybe I could see you throwing it up like that. Those are the kind of risks you have to take in a game like this. But that is just the absolute like worst way to do it. <laughs> that, that play had no yeah. chance from my perspective. Um, and now, you know, I all offseason we kind of talked about the Bo Nix experience and what that really means. A lot of different uh, just media people have thrown out that term and like, you know, I'd watched Auburn enough to understand what it meant, um, but it was a little different experiencing it firsthand. Um, the man has absolutely great arm talent. I mean, we saw it on on some of these later drives. Like, he was getting the ball out to the edges very quickly. He was making some reads really quickly and really well at times. Um, and again, he's clearly got – I think he's got more arm talent than Anthony Brown did. 
it's just the the decision making man on these two interceptions like it, it absolutely baffles me um and that's been the story of his entire collegiate career and uh it looks like that's going to continue so anyways and then georgia get the ball back obviously and you know you're thinking all right they're at the eight yard line maybe we can pin them back get the ball back and get some field position not quite this is when the uh darnell washington play happens where he just <laughs> he like throws jeff bossa like a rag doll off of him uh and then jumps over uh, who was it was it addison i think down the sideline for mm-hmm. a 25 yard gain uh and then there's another explosive play to bowers for 30 yards and then another 25 yard play to lab mcconkey um and then uh georgia just marched down into the end zone like they had been doing and continued to do all day um honestly i had never seen an offensive onslaught like this other than the ohio state versus michigan state game last year um statistically and just literally speaking um oregon could not do a single thing to stop georgia on the edges yeah and they didn't <laughs> they they averaged 10 yards per play this entire game i guess it ended up being nine by the end of the game but for most of the game they were averaging over 10 yards per play averaging a first down every time you snap the ball that, i i have no words for that that's just unacceptable so um I, one thing I was surprised by and that came up in Oregon's next offensive drive was uh, Bucky Irving was getting a lot of carries early. He was pretty much running back one. Um, the tough part about this game is that it's really hard to evaluate some of these performances because um, it's not like he played great, but he also didn't really ha- ever have a shot at playing great against this defense. Um, what did you make of his performance and just this second quarter onslaught in general yeah um i i thought he he was all right i thought it was tough to really get a great evaluation i mean none of these running backs did anything spectacular uh i think that you know the cardwell had some good runs at the end there uh and whittington and dollars both had moments where they kind of knifed through the defense and picked up eight to 12 yards that were pretty good. Uh, and Mm -hmm. so in that regard, I think Irving maybe flashed the least, but, uh, I also think that, I don't know. I, you know, I think in, in some games where he's playing and his more, he has more of a physical advantage versus teams that will play later on the schedule. Uh, he'll be able to force some mixed, mixed, missed tackles with that, uh, that some of the other backs won't. So, I appreciate why he was played. I think, you know, he was really good at Minnesota last year, and I still have optimism about him. Um, But I liked seeing a rotation for the most part. I was a little frustrated with how much we used Jordan James on the last drive just because I wanted us to score. Uh, And (laughs) I just didn't get why those goal line carries were going to a true freshman. Um, But, you know, I guess the game was over, so who really cares? Uh, yeah, I mean, what did you yeah. think of his performance or, or the running backs in general? Again, I, fine. Um, <laughs> again, I, I don't really think I can evaluate um, this performance very much for a lot of these guys. 
just because top to bottom Georgia was a better team and won pretty much every I think it's safe to say they won every position battle on the field um, pretty hand, handily. Uh, I know our offensive line held up at points, but, I mean, I just can't get that image out of my mind of Jalen Carter, like, putting Sala on his ass yeah. instantly. You know, yeah. that like, that's what we're up against? Are you kidding me? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought they played fine, but like you, I don't think we can really evaluate until we get – to later in the season yeah um, from an offensive line perspective quickly while we're here um because this game gets ugly and and some of these drives will fast forward through but i just pulled up the pff grades for people who are interested so a big thing that if you didn't notice ryan walk gets replaced halfway through this game by marcus harper yes um interesting decision uh that was the biggest thing i saw in the pre-game depth chart was that there was an or there and i had wondered because I think Ryan Walk has been super successful in Pac-12 play and, and was good against Ohio State. Um, but this was a battle where you need more than to just be – you need uh, some, you know, physical – you need to be physically, like, at this level to compete with Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. His under, being undersized, not having the length required, like – is going to be an extra detriment that can't be overcome versus Georgia by just playing really sound offensive line play Uh, because they are very sound players too that also are, you know, one one and a half times your size at some point. So it was interesting to go to Marcus Harper. Uh, I didn't hate that at all from how PFF graded it out. Actually, in pass blocking, Forsyth, Marcus Harper, and Sala all were above 80. Um, really? That was really – that's a huge positive. Uh, those are really good grades. Stephen Jones was a 27, very bad. Um, <laughs> played at guard. Bass played at left tackle. That was something that everyone was wondering where those two would line up going into this game. Um, and in run blocking, everyone was – right between 57 and 63. Uh, Harper was actually graded out as the best run blocker. Um, Mm. So maybe that's something to watch. Certainly would be encouraging to see Marcus Harper come on. um, And, you know, whether or not he takes the job from Ryan Walk long-term, I think that it's a good sign that Harper played well in this game and at least going into next year uh, would look like a very competent offensive line, starting offensive lineman for Oregon. And maybe he'll play this year. We'll see. Um, but in general, like I said, the offensive line honestly was a positive for me. Uh, they didn't get destroyed in the run game uh, except for, you know, a few bad plays, but they came back and, and won a, a, some reps here and there and were competitive at least, you know, did they win? Probably not, but it was against, the best front seven will face all year and one of the best in the country probably. So I'll take this performance from the offensive line largely. Um, you know, I even wonder with how Steven Jones played, whether uh, Harper could compete there and we could see a Harper and walk duo later in the season. I mean, we'll see how this thing goes, but uh, there were some positives along the offensive line. Um, I thought, again, it was just one area where Oregon lost by a little bit, uh, and there are enough other areas where Oregon lost by a lot uh, that mm-hmm. really turned this game it. lopsided. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a great way to put it, actually. Um, 
So let's finish off this first half drive-wise. Um, you have the, the face mask on UGA uh, to open up Georgia's drive with 12 minutes left in the first half. Um, so we're thinking, okay, you know, sweet. Maybe we can actually make something out of this, get the ball back. Not quite. Um, 27-yard pass to A.D. Mitchell um, puts him into Oregon territory. And then from there, it's it's just mathematical. Like, they continue their efficient drives. We got him to third down a few different times, but I think they converted, like, all but, like, two of their third downs or something insane like that. Uh, or it was their first, like, eight or, or something. It was, it was absolutely nuts. Um, so Georgia takes a 21-0 lead in it. Or, uh, yeah, 21-0 lead. And at this point, you know, you're just hoping for any signs of life from the offense. Um, I thought it was interesting that when the Ducks got the ball back, uh, Cardwell was the bat was the, the main back at that point. Um, which I, I, maybe you have a take on this, maybe not. Like there was a lot of personnel switching going on, um, in the first half specifically. Like, do you think it's just, do you think that was planned or is it just something that, uh, would you assume it's just something they were, they were trying different people out with, uh, and searching for answers? Cause I mean, we're never going to get a straight answer about it from any of the coaches or players. So, yeah, I would say that uh, the running back rotation seemed planned. Um, you know, I, I, I expected that uh, to a large degree. And then I would say otherwise, um, I mean, if you look at like PFF does snap counts, that's one of the more interesting things. Oregon pretty much split uh, between five guys at wide receiver, uh, which is what I expected to see. It was Thornton, McGee, Hudson, Franklin, and Coda. None of that group, Dante Thornton had the least snaps with 21, and Chris Hudson had the most snaps. I, well, no, Coda and Franklin had 49 and 55, so they were starters on the outside. Thornton came in and then seven came in with 21, and then seven McGee and Chris Hudson had 30 and 32, according to PFF. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting that Thornton's running third there. Um, Explain some of his post-game tweets, I guess, if you saw any of them. <laughs> no, um, I didn't. He just said Free Mac, which is his nickname. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> and Seven McGee had some tweets, too. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, but those... those after a loss like that. Yeah, exactly. Those five guys are who I want to see at receiver, and I think going five deep at receiver is fine. Um, and then a tight end, uh, just for people if they're curious, um, it was Herbert with 16, McCormick with 14, Ferguson with 29, uh, and Montevall with 25. So a lot of I was surprised to see Herbert get legit snaps out there actually. Yeah. Um, that's not something I was really expecting. Yeah. And both of them, both McCormick and Herbert were, took all of the pass blocking snaps, uh, and Herbert graded out really well in run blocking as well. So Hmm. anyways, um, yeah, I did. I will say I did like a lot of the like scheme wise, a lot of what we saw on offense. Mm -hmm. I actually thought Dillingham called a pretty good game, um, from just a play calling perspective. Again, a lot of times he was kind of had his hands tied and he was doing the obvious thing, but uh, a lot of good pre-snap movements, um, obviously, other than the, the false starts. Uh, I think those worked pretty well. Um, but, yeah, I was 
I was pleasantly surprised with some things on offense. I'm I'm optimistic about the offense, at least. I am, uh, yeah. That's kind of my takeaway from this game. The defense, not so much. But um, So this drive we were talking about uh, is the one that ends in a field goal. Uh, and as I mentioned, we had like three, I think we had three false starts on third down in this game. Uh, and the second one, this one was on Jones, took us from third and 11 on the Georgia 12 to third and 16 on the 17. Uh, which is, you know, that's a drive killer right there. Um, yeah, in a position where it could have been four down territory, I think. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at that point, you're down 21-0. You're going to take what you can get. Uh, by third and 16, though, easier for Georgia to force an incompletion. And then uh, Cam Lewis gets the 35-yard field goal. There was some speculation about the kicker spot, but... Pretty much as expected there. That was a pause. Ironically, he, I mean, he hit that well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, ironically, Camden like did what he was supposed to do in this game, and nobody else really did. So there's that. Um, but yeah, and then I mean, at that point, there's four minutes left in the half. It only takes Georgia um, three of those minutes to score uh, another touchdown and make it um, 28-0. So. I guess earlier I mentioned that we kind of limited Georgia's explosive plays. In the second half, we limited Georgia's explosive explosive plays. Uh, we did not really in the first because this is the drive where, um, you know, again, Ducks get him to third down. It's third and one at midfield, and all of a sudden it's a it's a thirty eight yard completion to Kendall McIntosh. Um, <laughs> we have to put him out at the four. Then McConkey's gets it in the end zone. I think that's the scramble play. Um, so, yeah, not a great way to go into the half, uh, to say the least. But, um, yeah, I guess there was the other drive after that. Oregon like kind of marched down the field a little bit, or at least started doing it. Um, but then it was all only ever going to set up for a Hail Mary, and uh, we didn't even get one off. So... <laughs> um, yeah, this game was over at halftime, if not before that. Yeah, 100%. One play that uh, we didn't cover on, I think, Georgia's third drive was on that big A.D. Mitchell um, second and 16, too, that I just want to mention is Flo coming in and leveling Stetson for that oh, yeah. roughing the passer call. That turned a 27-yard gain into like a 42-yard gain or something and completely flipped the field. Um that was, yeah, that was bad. Uh, and something Bad call that, or a bad play? I think a bad play, personally, I think. Yeah, um, and something I think it could have been targeting, too, honestly. Uh, Flo, reposted, Flo reposted the clip of that on his, in, on his Instagram, um, which I just could <laughs> not handle. I mean, it was just really like, oh, my God. That was just bad. Um, it was just bad. Battle around. Uh, I mean, third quarter, I don't even think we need to go through these individual drives yeah. at this point. Like, it was just more of the same. I mean, Georgia is getting double-digit gains at will against this defense. Defense couldn't tackle. They weren't in the right place. They were just doing pretty much everything wrong. Um, I also thought it was interesting that... Uh, for a lot of these drives, Oregon was basically playing with three deep safeties. Uh, Jeff Bossa, I don't know if you noted where he was lining up, but he was lining up like as a uh, three high. It was, it was really odd. Um, 
So I don't know what part of the game plan that was for. I didn't really understand that, but I'm assuming landing does better than me, or at least I'm hoping so. Uh, Cause that, that just didn't make a ton of sense to me, but um, are there any other plays you really want to pick out of the second half? Uh, I mean, pretty much the, no. the biggest thing I learned from the entire second half was that it doesn't matter if it's Stetson Bennett or Carson Beck in the third quarter, they're still going to move the ball like nobody's business against Oregon starting defense. So, yeah. Did you learn anything from the second half, I guess? Or should, should we move on? No, I mean, it was just clear the the defense was never going to be able to put up a fight against them. I mean, they scored on every drive until, the you know, the last one Oregon forced with their first punt uh, with the backups in. And the longest drive of the day was the first drive, which took 12 plays because they had to go 85 yards. Other than that, yeah. the touchdown drives are seven plays, six plays, eight plays, six plays, nine plays, and nine plays. That's just yeah. really not putting up much resistance at all. Uh, I mean, Oregon did stop any of those drives from going like from from letting anyone beat them over the top and having it be a two play drive. Uh, there weren't any. I don't think Georgia had any gains of more than. 30 maybe um somewhere around there yeah. so i guess that's a positive but when you're giving up 10 yards every play uh it's not like georgia really needs to take shots so <laughs> you know it's a little bit like um when a team's bragging about how good their run defense is but has the worst pass defense in the conference or something it's like yeah, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know of course uh, and that was honestly part of the thing for Oregon today. I mean, or Oregon on Saturday, the run defense at times held up all right. Um, I mean, Georgia was able to get it when they needed it, but they weren't getting completely leveled. Uh, but the outsides were just so easy to attack that uh, it just didn't matter, you know. And we never really got yeah. to see Georgia try to establish the run full out because they just didn't need to didn't completely need to. establish yeah. the run. Um, I can talk about... Yeah, and that's, that's yeah, something exact that Manning and uh, Bennett Williams mentioned after the game was on the edges. I mean, they saw an advantage and they just kept going after it like time and time again. And yeah, they, they didn't need to do anything else really. Yeah. Um, in terms of PFF, if people are interested, and I'll probably put a thread out on this on Twitter soon, uh, Manning and Bridges actually graded out well. Uh, Manning graded out as the best uh, player on the defense. Um, wow. So that's, I mean, that is a positive uh, in terms of that was, you know, a big question mark heading into that game. Uh, Manning played 12 snaps, Bridges played 38, uh, and Bridges was that starting corner. Um, some of the players who graded out, I, I mean, a lot of guys are in this medium zone. Dorless played 37 snaps, was a 62. That's fine enough. But again, it wasn't, you know, he wasn't playing. He was invisible. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it, he didn't win any matchups, which is what we needed those players to come in and win some matchups. And his tackling grade was 25. Uh, Jordan Riley was a 60 he played 30 snaps so that was interesting to see definitely um jamal hill graded out well too uh actually he he was a 67 so honestly some of those question marks i mean manning bridges and hill 
were question marks in the secondary. I, Addison also, those are the top four players. Um, nice. On the PFF group. Yeah, I would so, expect... I would expect Addison to get more reps. Steve Stevens was starting um, as as the other second high safety. Uh, I'm curious to know what yeah. uh, Gonzalez's grade is if you have it in front of you, because obviously he got beat on that um, AD Mitchell touchdown. Uh, but I mean, there wasn't. I thought it was still pretty good coverage. It was just a great another great play by Georgia. Yeah. So Gonzalez um, played 55 snaps, which was second in snaps only to Bennett Williams at 57, and he graded out as a 52. Uh, which is in yeah. the, in the starting to not be that good range. Um, no, <laughs> so I, I think it's safe to say he had a disappointing performance. Yeah, exactly. Um, Some, I mean, everyone did, but like we're expecting a first round or you know speculative first round guy like be able to hold up a little better than that. Yeah, and and not that these grades are perfect, but Flo was the second lowest on the team at a twenty nine. Flo, Bossa, and Leduc are the awful. three. Yeah lowest um bennett williams didn't grade out well either honestly i mean i'm i'm some of these guys like the worst tackling grades on the team are sam taimani dj johnson brandon dorless uh mace funa and then bassa flow leduc uh and even bennett williams was bad um so it's like your front seven right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it was surprising surprising to see that some of the tackling grades in the secondary, at least according to PFF, are some of the higher on the are the higher on the team. Um but I don't know, you know, I don't really know what that's based off of because honestly sometimes I think those guys just couldn't get off blocks to even be in possession to make a tackle. Yeah. Uh so I don't yeah, really know if point. you get credit for that. Um I mean, yeah, Georgia could, was just screening us to death all day. They didn't need to do anything else. Yeah, exactly. Again, I'll, 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 I'll just put out a Twitter thread here um, soon about some of these snap breakdowns and a few other interesting things from here. Uh, so go check that out if you want more of a concentrated look at like what PFF's perspective was or what some of these snap counts were. Um, yeah, but I, I but, think I mean, we pretty much have covered what this game looked like uh, exactly. in terms of snap yeah. by snap or drive by drive. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only two questions we really have left, uh, and we can get to these in order, is one, like, what are your expectations for the rest of the season, right? In the press conference, one of the first things Lanning said was, are, we talked as a coaching staff before this game and said, regardless of the outcome, all our goals are still ahead of us, even if we lose this game. Which I thought was interesting because, I mean, Lanning knows this Georgia team better than almost anybody. We we said that uh, in the pregame. Um, he knew we were going to lose this game, is what I interpret that as. Uh, because if you thought you had even a snowball's chance in hell to win this one, uh, you, you wouldn't be saying something like that. So if he's being honest about that, um, I, I think that's pretty telling. That he knew what he was running into. Um, and that... I I do think my expectations for this team are still all there for the taking. Um, I mean, again, we talked about it in our season preview. Uh, I, I think 10 wins is still totally attainable for this team, even with a loss, and even with a loss like this. But does maybe the severity of it affect any of that for you, or are you on the same page? Yeah, I mean, I just think that my, my headspace just isn't as much in um... – 
it just goes very quickly to like what's directly in front of this Oregon team because I think Mm -hmm. yeah you can say in 12 weeks the perception of Oregon can be completely different uh and this game will seem far far in the rearview mirror if Oregon handles some business um the obvious parallel people talk about is that 2016 USC team that got blown out by Alabama and went on to finish mm-hmm. third in the country and win the Rose Bowl. Uh, also, I think under a first-year head coach. So that's – if things go right, I mean, that would be obviously the kind of best-case scenario right now. But I think that, you know, this Oregon team hasn't deserved uh, – hasn't earned the right to talk about uh, a playoff or even really a conference championship or any of that stuff right now. Like, we need mm-hmm. to see them actually compete on the field against a good team. And this is going back to last season. I mean, we led the show with it. Four out of the last five games that we've all sat down and watched Oregon play have been not losses. They haven't been competitive even. Not remote, yeah. not remotely competitive. Um, that's really bad you know at a certain point like (laughs) you have to face that consequence that reality and say like what are we doing this is 247's released the team talent composite within the last week Oregon's talent is seventh in the country um Mm -hmm. you, you can talk about is that developed well enough you know what are the flaws are some of these players overrated whatever but like at a certain point, guys have to have some pride and go out and assert themselves and do well. Um, now, that said, am I going to berate the team because they lost to Georgia even by this much? No, you know, not totally. I think it is a first game, and we have to forgive some of these things because both sides of the ball are learning a new scheme. They're playing a team way more talented than them with a way deeper roster that has had way more time to uh, learn the identity of their team and settle into that. Um, but at the same time, I mean, my mind, I, I, like I said, you just don't deserve to be talking about the playoffs or the conference title or any of that stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Right now, to me, it's about, first of all, you, you got to find a way to beat BYU. I don't care how ugly it is, yeah. find a way to win that game. And then let's get to this bye week alive. And, you know, I think that, Whatever that looks like, one, you know, it feels like one loss uh, is a likelihood before then. You have uh, the Eastern Washington game at home this week, which let's just hope that's a conference builder, confidence builder, kind of a get right game. BYU game, that's going to be a hard fought one. I'm interested to see what the line looks like on the other side of this once Vegas adjusts. Then you have at Wazoo, at Arizona back to back. Honestly, right now, it feels like Oregon is um, heading towards dropping one of those games. That's how I would put it. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Oregon has a ton more talent than those teams. If that shows up, Oregon should be able to win those games. But the fact of the matter is those teams have been playing, are starting to play competitive football. You know, I mean, Arizona looked good this week. Washington State obviously has some things coming together that, they could get in a better position by that time, and they were trending in the right direction last year. And mm-hmm. Oregon has been a mess in four of the last five games. I mean, an utter 
dysfunctional football team. Like, yeah. so we'll see. But uh, my mind's all about getting to that bye week um, with, you know, hopefully beating BYU and dropping at most one of the three conference games. Yeah, I got to imagine that BYU spread comes down to about four. So they played pretty well against USF. And I guess we'll see how they play against Baylor, which is a really tough opponent for them um, yeah. in week two to be dealing with. But, uh, again, I, I think everybody's expectations are certainly lowered at least a tick um, for this team. But as we've been mentioning, like, it's tough to really evaluate this team when you run into a steamroller like that. Um, obviously, the team didn't play up to even their own expectations. Like, But Georgia still, I mean, you know, you can't quantify after one game how much of it is Oregon being bad and Georgia being good. Right, because it's obviously a mix of both, and I think that's that's why the, the result was so lopsided. I mean, they scored on every offensive drive except one. Uh, they scored a touchdown, no less. But I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think there are some things that we need to see from this team before we start talking about season long expectations. Um, and in a lot of ways, that. That can make for a more entertaining season if you want to spin it positive in some light. Uh, there's not a lot of, you know, there, there's a lot of teams that can just give up on their playoff hopes uh, before the ball even gets kicked off. So the fact that Oregon even had some in the first place, if you if you're one of the people who thought that, uh, is is a positive to take. But I mean, <laughs> again, we still got the talent to run through the Pac-12, but obviously they need to take some steps before that. And I think it's. It would be more impressive from a coaching standpoint to see them uh, recover and accomplish some of those bigger goals by the end of the season. Because right now, I mean, nobody can watch what happened across the Pac-12 with a straight face and tell you that Oregon is like should be in the conference title, even with the the opponent um, coming into consideration. So yeah, exactly. I, I think that still could happen down the road, but right now. What you know, you just look dumb if you're saying that stuff. Like, yeah. Oregon has to prove something on the field. You look like USC fans talking about take back the West two years ago. It's like <laughs> you, we got to win games before we start talking about any of this stuff. And I think it can happen, but the team hasn't shown it yet. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's go around the Pac-12 a little bit, uh, just see how everyone else favored really. Um, and we can go over our picks as well, which actually weren't that bad. I guess I was laughing about it, but they really aren't that terrible. Um, let's start with Utah, Florida. This is a really entertaining game. Honestly, for my money, I think this was like the game of the weekend from an entertainment standpoint. Maybe that LSU Florida state game last night, uh, can stack up to it. But, um, Utah, I think were the, they were the better team in this game. And all the factors that people talked about making a huge difference did make a huge difference. I mean, Rising was up and down. I don't think he had an amazing game. But uh, in the swamp, like, it's hard to do a lot of things. You, you saw Utah players cramping all over the place. Like, um, Florida was moving the ball really, really well with Anthony Richardson. I think he's everything as advertised. Uh so did you have, I know you watched this game. Did you have any thoughts on it? Um, and obviously Utah blows it at the end with that uh, stupid interception on the goal line. But, um, and so we both, both missed that pick. But do you think, how does this affect your perception of Utah going forward, if at all? 
Yeah, honestly, uh, it doesn't affect it that much. I mean, I think people lose sight of the fact, like, if people who just watch college football casually and look at the little number by the side of the names are like, oh, this Florida team's not very good and Utah's supposed to be a top 10 team, but it was a three-point spread for a reason. Uh, and I think Utah put themselves in a position to win the game and just didn't finish it at the end. But Florida looked good. They have a ton of talent. I mean, they played Bama close last year. Uh, and they just seemed like they were starting to put this together, and it was obviously a huge win for them. Uh, I still think Utah is good, but um, I started to feel after we recorded and in the days leading up to this, like I thought Florida could win this game. Um, and just the effect of like going out up to going into such a hostile crowd uh, with a Utah team that has been playing a Pac-12 schedule, hasn't played at Oregon since 2017. A lot of people were talking about that in the SEC, you know, media circles. And I kind of bought into it to a certain degree because I think it's true. A lot of the Pac-12 crowds have been lackluster recently. Uh, I mean, even Oregon's hasn't been great, but I think it's been far and away the best in the conference outside of Utah. Um, mm -hmm. So I was I thought that that could have an effect, and I think it did at times. Um I mean, from a conference-wide perspective, it's a brutal loss. It makes the Pac-12 look pretty unserious. Uh, yeah. And it is what it is. It reminded me in some ways of the Oregon-Auburn game. Um, similar thing where I think Utah's the better team on a neutral field. Uh, and even if you replay this game, I think Utah wins more times than not. Uh, but they just didn't finish. Um, mm -hmm. and ultimately losing that opportunity is going to put the Pac-12's playoff hopes in a really rough spot. But just like we said, if Oregon had lost close, you know, I think Utah, uh, if they win out the rest of the way, they're going to be in a decent spot um, to make the playoffs. Like, we'll see. But they have to put it together and, and win some games because, I don't know, with a number seven ranking like that, that's just a tough loss to take, really. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, let's go to the other sort of premier team left in the Pac-12 this week. Uh, USC beating up on Rice. Pretty much what everybody expected. They cover that massive spread, uh, which I picked correctly. You did not. Uh, you still finished 5-2 and two on your picks, by the way. I was just 4-3 and three against the spread. Um, but we're both positive, which is more than we can say about last year. Um, Oregon State beating up on Boise at home. This one was never close. Uh, it finished a 17-point game, but it was like 24-0, to I think, to start. Beavers dominated this game. Uh, yep. I don't know how much you watched of it. I was out and about in Atlanta at this time, so I was <laughs> getting bits and pieces <laughs> between drowning my sorrows. Uh, how? What did you see from Oregon State in this game, if you were able to catch it? Yeah, they dominated lines of scrimmage looked good defense looked better uh first half shutout um all i can say is i'm glad that oregon isn't playing oregon state week four you know uh, and yeah. i'm and i'm interested i think oregon state has they have utah and uh usc at home in their first five games so i'm interested if they can pull one of those off because they look really good uh i still think that you know oregon has a long uh, road to put some of these things together before they play Utah and Oregon State at the end of this season. Um, mm -hmm. So Oregon's lucky that they have some of those other games first because Oregon State looks like a 
team that understands its identity way more right now, uh, and even with less talent, uh, probably is a better team at this moment, but we'll see. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, elsewhere, Colorado gets blown out by TCU on Friday. That was an ugly game. Um, they Colorado looks as bad as advertised, I think. Uh, Competitive UCLA, through a half, at least, but then it turned really ugly. True. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and there Speaking was a, of... <laughs> there was just a Go moment it. where it seemed like, uh, is Colorado good? Like, Or not good, but is Colorado competent? Um, and we like had to question ourselves. And then the second half quickly uh, confirmed all of our assumptions about how <laughs> incompetent Colorado is. But go ahead. Yeah, that was a rough one to watch. Um, UCLA, yeah, speaking of uh, keeping it close in the first half, Bowling Green uh, was taking the lead over UCLA early on, uh, and then the Bruins come back and end up dominating. Um, let's see, what was the final score in this? 45-17. to 17. So, uh, shut out Bowling Green in the second half. Good, good on you there. Um, DTR had a big run in that game, but, uh, you know, pretty much as expected. We both got that pick right. We both got the TCU pick right. And we both got the Arizona pick right. Arizona sh- showing out against SDSU. Um, it's funny, a lot of these narratives that like some of these Pac-12 media people were pushing in the preseason really came to light in week one. Um, I, I personally thought everybody was kind of overrating Arizona. Um, I still picked their under on like the two and a half win total. I don't think, or a three and a half win total. I don't think they're a very good team, but they're certainly better than San Diego state who, I mean, their punter is gone and he was their best player by far. Uh, and he's honestly what won them a lot of games with their incompetent offense. So, um, anything else? I guess we didn't touch on Washington and Kent State, but uh, I didn't watch any of that game, so I couldn't really say anything. Yeah, I didn't watch any of the Washington game either. Um, I'll be in, uh, I'll I'll probably watch some highlights over this week and and look at it. Uh, Washington State went winning by a touchdown against Idaho. Uh, maybe, you know, it was a good thing. Idaho went up early in that game. Um, I mean, like I said, I think Stanford also won 41-10 at Colgate. Uh, Just to mention, like, Oregon goes at Washington State, at Arizona, Stanford, bye week. Uh, And I think aiming to get to that bye week and solidify your identity going into the home stretch is where Oregon's at right now. And hopefully you can survive those conference games before then um and in terms of stock up stock down i would say like washington state looks a little worse than you expected going into the year arizona looks a good tick better and stanford maybe is better but colgate is really hard to measure yourself again because you know they're an fcs program yeah um so overall i mean not the great, not a great weekend for the Pac-12 at the top. Um, I think the middle class strengthened itself. Like, stop me if you've heard that one before with the Pac-12. Um, but we'll see how the rest of the season shakes out. Maybe Oregon can get back up to that uh, pinnacle of success that um, was sort of expected of them preseason. So, uh, anything else from around the weekend? Uh, there were some pretty fun games. Like, the Backyard Brawl was a great way to kick off the, the real season in earnest on Thursday. Um, I thought, again, I mentioned that FSU LSU game last night was wild, uh, ends on a 
blocked extra point after just a crazy few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, any other games stand out to you? Obviously, Ohio State winning with their defense for once against Notre Dame, maybe. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I still think Ohio State. Uh, I'll be interested to see what the polls say, but I kind of think Ohio State's um, a half tier lower than Bama and Georgia right now. It just, I don't know. Uh, I I don't know where Oregon and Notre Dame stack up. I mean, it's fair to say Notre Dame's a good bit better, but um, I still what we saw from Georgia on Saturday. I just don't think that they would have let Notre Dame hold the hang around the way that Ohio State did. Uh, and mm-hmm. still, you know, that Ohio State offense just seems like in some of the, when they play another good team, they never quite reach the level that I uh, think they would based on the talent. Maybe that will change, but a seven-point first half from them, uh, I just think, you know, they're really good offenses in college football don't put up seven-point halves in this age versus anyone. They're really good ones, in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like 2019 LSU, not, you know, some people act like Ohio State is going to approach that level because of the talent. Uh, and that team's not putting up seven points and a half versus Notre Dame. I don't care. You know, like, it's just not happening. Not at home. Not in any situation, I don't think. And even this Georgia offense... I don't know. Seemed like I I just would trust them more to execute um, and keep comfortable leads, whereas Ohio State showed some vulnerability. But maybe Notre Dame's better than we think, so we'll see. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, I've never um, I've never seen a such a likable Notre Dame team before. <laughs> um, that's kind of what I got out of that game more than anything um yeah i like them way more with marcus freeman than brian kelly for sure at coach yeah uh he's a really likable guy i was watching his special on um game day in the morning that he's he seems like a really cool dude yeah um let's see man uh any other games you want to pick out at all or you want to wrap this thing up uh i think we can pretty much wrap it up i guess we can go out on the note one thing that we didn't do that I kind of uh, wanted to was just, you know, have we been this been here before at, as Ducks fans? Like, what other games can we compare our feelings to right now to maybe give us a feeling about what to expect going forward? Uh, is there any game you want to pick out here that, that kind of reminds you of what we saw Saturday? I mean, the Boise State one is the, ob- is the most yeah. obvious choice uh, i think it's the one i've seen people throw out the most um, obviously that was chip's first game and it was absolutely dismal it only scored eight points and we like never really moved the, the ball past midfield quite similar to this game in that respect um except we were playing boise state instead of national champion georgia um obviously that team turned it around made a rose bowl had a very successful season all things considered so Maybe the Ducks can do that, but uh, I think it's safe to say this version of the Pac-12 is a little more daunting than that one. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair to so those Arizona. That it, I'm talking about 2009. Um, that Arizona team was really good with Nick Foles, and that Oregon State team was too, uh, with the Rogers brothers and everybody. So and USC um, was ranked really highly that year too. Obviously, Fright Night that year yeah. and everything, um, and kind of fell off at the end more but 
Yeah, that's the obvious comparison. I mean, I'll take the other one off the board that I think is the second obvious comparison, and that's the 2011 LSU game. Playing an SEC team that physically and defensively dominates you to that degree uh, and is a national title contender in game one um, in a neutral site game that's not really neutral site uh, reminded me of the feeling I had after this one. I think Oregon put a few more things together, obviously, in that performance than they were able to on Saturday. Uh, but that was another uh, Rose Bowl team in the end. I don't really love saying that stuff because I just think uh, the mathematician in me says that is nowhere near enough data to draw <laughs> any type of correlation between getting blown out in, in week one and winning the Rose Bowl. Um, so we'll see what happens, but... I guess uh, we've been here before and those teams have bounced back. And I do think that it being Lanning's first game is, is something to think about here. Uh, I hope that maybe things come together and and I'm not ready to write him off as a coach yet, certainly. Uh, and Nor am I uh, ready to say anything about Dillingham. Um, we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got a couple others listed here, like 2015 Ohio State. I get that comparison, but, I mean, at least we were competitive in that game. But certainly from a from a defensive perspective, I think Ohio State just kind of – they similar to Georgia, they found one thing that worked and they just stuck with it, uh, that being uh, pounding the rock with Ezekiel Elliott and Georgia's being, like, attacking the, the perimeter. Um. I don't know if you had any more thoughts on that one, but I, I honestly felt this was more similar to like the end of last year's beatdowns from Utah. Um, just no momentum established at any point in the entire game in either of those matchups. Yeah, uh, and it, it's it's just a f- unfortunate to say that, you know, I remember after that first Utah game, we were like, when's the last time Oregon even got blown out? And now it's the fourth time in five games, you know. I know, right? It's wild. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, like for a team that has gotten blown out four out of their last five, there's still a lot of like there, there's still a little more positivity, positivity than you'd expect. Um, I, I was I really admired the way Forsyth and Williams handled themselves in the press conference afterwards. Yeah, me too. Obviously, they were very dejected, but I mean, I, I think they understood what uh, what the deal was in terms of what Kirby was saying as well. Like, they were they were the more talented team. They had better players. Uh, Lanning's countenance, I thought, was really interesting after the game. I, he was smiling a lot. Uh, maybe it was nervous smiles. I don't know. But um, he obviously wasn't happy about it. But, uh, and obviously, you know, the things he was saying didn't really matter that much. Like, oh, yeah, coaching staff's going to take all the, the bad credit for this one. Like, course you're going to say stuff like that but um again it's just an overall it's a tough game to judge and i'm i'm ready for eastern washington (laughs) me too i'm ready to bury this one i don't feel uh i'm certainly not going to be you know defending the pac-12's honor or anything i there's nothing much you can say about this one um but i'm ready for eastern washington and to see this team grow and and I think we'll learn a lot after this BYU game, especially. Like I said, right now, my goal is just get a win in that by any means necessary. Yep, I would agree with that. Um, 
Alright, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back soon enough um, to preview the Eastern Washington game a little bit. And uh, we enjoy your week, man, up, in, up until this <laughs> hopefully winnable game. <laughs> yep. Go Ducks. Alright, man. Go Ducks. <laughs>